And we're live. Welcome to today's episode of MicroConf On Air. I'm your host, Rob Walling. Every Wednesday, we live stream for 30 minutes and we cover topics related to building and growing startups that are ambitious, but that fit within the goals of having a life, not burning yourself out, and finding freedom, purpose, and relationships. We build real businesses, real customers who pay us real money. And uh, that's the view through which we, that's the lens through which we view building startups. It's not the typical Silicon Valley, become a unicorn, raise a bazillion dollars in venture capital. So thanks for joining me again this week. I have some great guests that are going to join me in a second. First, I wanted to cover a couple points. The first is um, microconfmasterminds.com. We launched it just 30 minutes ago. Producer Xander got that email all set up and sent out. And if you haven't heard about it, Microconf Masterminds is a, uh, ma- my, <laughs> it's a mastermind matching service that we're offering through Microconf um, where you can link up with um, a mastermind group and be paired with other folks who are in, in similar stage to you, similar time zone, and um, and connect for stuff I've been talking about on Startups for the Rest of Us for years. It's accountability. It's um, you know it's ideas and insights from other founders who are going through the same journey that you are. And uh, I think there's a lot of camaraderie in this. I've myself been in um, two or three different masterminds. Well, actually maybe four, depending on how you you know how you classify it. But I've been a long time believer in this whole concept of, of being with other founders in these small groups and getting that valuable feedback. I've been in one mastermind for 10 years and the lineup has changed a few times, but I still have a monthly call um, with those folks. So microconfmasterminds.com if you want to hear more. And that's the topic for today is accountability and, uh, and, and masterminds. If you ever miss an episode of Microconf on air, we have turned it into a podcast. So you can listen to it asynchronously at 1.5x, which is it, that's that's the rate. That's the best way to consume to consume anything. Anytime Rob Walling is talking, 1.5 to 2x, so you can get through it quicker. Uh, Microconf on air in any podcatcher that you use. And as always, thanks to Basecamp and uh, and Stripe, who are our headline partners for the year. They make everything we do just a little easier, and we really appreciate the partnership with them. So today, as I mentioned, we are discussing masterminds and accountability for startup founders. My two guests are Dave Rodenbaugh and Brian Castle. I've known these guys for many years. Dave is the co-host of Rogue Startups, and he runs Recapture.io, an abandoned cart app for Shopify. Brian co-hosts Brian Castle co-hosts Bootstrap Web with Jordan Gall, and he runs Process Kit, Audience Ops, and Productize. You guys. Just do a little bit too much, so I had to cut some out of your bios. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Hey, thank if you, Rob. You are in, yeah, absolutely. If you're in MicroConf Connect and you have questions for either of these two gentlemen uh, or me in that in, in this case, um, feel free to go into the MicroConf On Air channel and ask away. We did get a question from Brian Marble, and he says, how does one get such handsome guests? You guys have any theories on that? <laughs> Brian, uh, sheer I, dumb I don't luck. Know. Also, Brian, uh, I owe you ten dollars for that comment. Um, yeah, whatever. Hey, next to this face yep. for radio, uh, I think I think all the guests are going to look <laughs> handsome. We do have a um, a serious question though. Before, so this is what sometimes happens: is is I have this outline and I have these questions, and and we get such good questions from the listeners that that will you know we can kill the whole half hour with with those questions, but I feel like they're topical and it's kind of cool to have this live interaction. So Evan Stone has asked, and I'll throw it to Brian first, and then we'll we'll go to Dave. So Brian, is it better to be involved with a mastermind that consists of entrepreneurs doing similar types of businesses 
or is a heterogeneous mix better? Hetero, sorry, heterogeneous heterogeneous. Um, I need to learn to read. Uh, in other words, I'm not even going to try that like, word. <laughs> <laughs> he says only Multiple SaaS kind. businesses or or mobile app businesses or the same vertical market versus a mix of those, maybe adding in hardware, e-commerce, et cetera. So what do you think, mm -hmm. Mr. Castle? Uh, it's a good question. I think it it sort of depends on what your goals are for the mastermind. I, I have actually been in, I can't even count them how many different master, like maybe four or five different groups over over the years. And and I've been in both where it, it was a mix of different business types and one or two that was like SaaS specific. Um, there was actually one at one point that was like client services specific. Um, I think it, I think it's good to to be in a group when you're with similar types of businesses when when you have uh, a similar goal of like let's all try to build a SaaS or launch a SaaS company or or let's like trade war stories with our agents you know client services agency stuff um, that's really helpful but I have seen really good maybe even more value long term in in getting to know business owners from a variety of different industries. Um, I've been able to pick up really just interesting insights, you know, from friends of mine who are selling like physical products, something that I've never done. I don't, I don't know that I ever will, but um, you know, I, th I think that kind of thing is really interesting. The, the, the one thing that I, in terms of like a more of like a constant rule, cause I've, I've experienced the good and bad effects of this is that when you're in a, a mastermind, where the members are just in wildly different ballparks in terms of the level of the business. Um, it not necessarily like life experience because all ages, you know, could, could be totally cool. But if we're talking about a, a product business that is just trying to get its very first customers and you're in a group that is in six or seven figures of revenue uh, or with other members who are in six or seven figures of revenue, you're just dealing with completely different questions and challenges and goals and it's and there's a mismatch there and that that's where there's yeah. less value i think yeah that's a good point and that's part of the microconf you know producer sandra and i sat down to say like how are we going to make sure people have you know some type of of similarities and that was a big part of it is like i think we asked for like revenue range and headcount both um, because i think both of those things i mean if you're running a 30 person company or if you're running a five person team there's a huge difference there too, what you're dealing with, you know, in the level of management, even if your revenue was, is, is similar, but, um, how about you, uh, commander Dave, I like your headset today. Um, what do you, <laughs> what do you, uh, what do you, what's your take on this? Well, this is your captain speaking. It's going to be a rough ride, but uh, we'll get you through the next oh 23 minutes as best we can here. Um, I would agree that with Brian on that, I would say I, I also have had experience with both kinds of groups where we were, you know, primarily niche focused versus um, kind of all over. I actually thought I got more out of the experience from the more diverse groups where you have people that are doing physical products and they're doing some online stuff and some affiliate things and agencies. And you, you basically get to hear about tactics that you wouldn't necessarily be exposed to in your own niche. And I think that's super important because you can kind of end up with an echo chamber in a, in a mastermind group. If you, you know, hang around a bunch of SaaS owners, you all start talking the same SaaS tactics after a while. And it's hard to kind of get that new blood, the new thinking, a different way, a different perspective. 
but I will say that it is super important to have everybody kind of like either a step ahead or a step behind where you are. If you're more than that, then it's just too hard for people to contribute equally, especially for the, I'll say the less experienced members of the group where they would not necessarily have something to contribute to somebody who's at the six figures of ARR managing a team of 20. And, you know, they might have something to provide for you, but it's hard to be reciprocal in that relationship, which makes it, you know, nobody wants to be in a one-sided relationship. So eventually people get bored in that kind of a mastermind and leave. But when it's very back and forth, very two-way, those masterminds tend to be more productive and they tend to last longer in my experience too. Yeah, I, I would agree with, with you guys. I think my take on this is like, there, if you're relatively early in the journey or it's your first time, even if you're, even if you're at 5, 10, 15K MRR, I still, I think that being around other SaaS founders, uh, or if you're assuming you're running a SaaS, I think being around like-minded folks who are running similar businesses who are a step ahead or a step behind, like you said, Dave, is probably what I would think. I think longer term, see, I've been in, I've liked both. Even as I got really far along, I still like being around like super knowledgeable SaaS founders. You, but as you level up, you have to level up your kind of your cohort, you know? So maybe if you're in a group for, I've been in one group for 10 years, I was saying, and then another group, uh, mastermind group went for maybe four or five um, and I think if someone, if one or two people are kind of stagnant and not making pro progress, I do think that you can outgrow the rest of your group. Yeah, yeah. that that's exactly yeah, what it, happened in one of my masterminds where we had one of us was in the middle, one of us was kind of lagging behind, one of us was way ahead, and eventually it just got to a point of, you know, it was difficult to really uh, relate to everybody that was talking. Yeah, yeah, and on that right? note of, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that, you know, that happens. And I think that that is something to realize is like masterminds are probably not for life. You know, it, oftentimes you can be in a mastermind for a yeah. year or two and that's an amazing, and it can provide amazing value to everyone. And then at a certain point, it just doesn't make sense and, and just have that open. Not all of them are going to run for 10 years, you know, uh, and I would, I would almost think that I, I think some people can get complacent and stick around in them for too long if they're not getting value out of them. Brian, yeah. what you were going to yeah, say something? I, I, Actually, on that point, I, I, one of my very early mastermind groups that I was in, uh, I think it suffered from all of us like sticking with it for too long. Like, I think we were, we were all in this group for maybe two, close to three years when it really, it should have been like a one year mastermind mm -hmm. because there, there were members who, who just far outgrew some other members and there was a, a value mismatch there. And I think as like a, like a best practice when you're in, your, these private mastermind discussions, um, something that I'm always trying to, you know, um, get better at myself is, is a, to only give advice when I'm speaking from my own personal experience, um, and to really only seek out advice, uh, from people who, who I believe have, have gone through this thing that I'm trying to get advice from. Uh, and that, that's why it's so important to, to have a somewhat relative, you know, level playing field in terms of experience. And if you're brand new, if, 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 if you, this is your first rodeo and you're in your very first mastermind group, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your group. Everyone's coming together. We're all learning together here. And you're coming, you're coming to these groups to, to share notes about first time ideas that you're trying out and, and the results that you're seeing, you know? Yeah. Pablo it has a question, uh, and this is a reminder for folks, if you're in Connect, feel free to post your questions in MicroConf on air. Pablo says, should we be, should I be, I will say, in more than one mastermind at the same time? My I'll go first and then go round, round the table. Um, 
I think it depends. It depends on if you, I mean, I was in two because one was, I, I, yeah, I was in two at once, but it was because one was in person and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And we would typically would do a happy hour. So there was a social component to it. And then the other one was online and it was with founders who really, really challenged me, were very knowledgeable. And it was like totally worth, you know, the 90 minutes on Zoom every, I don't remember, maybe we did every two weeks. I don't even remember. Um, but I think if, if you're getting value out of two, sure. But I would certainly start with one and see how that goes. And uh, I, I, I do think you can over mastermind. I think by the time you get in three masterminds, it's like are you spending more time in time in meetings than actually, um, you know, being productive? You you have a take on that, Dave? Oh yeah. Uh, so I at one point I was in two masterminds at the same time, and I even contemplated a third. But there is like a schedule component of it because we kind of ended up agreeing that we'll do like a once a month meeting, but that basically, and we staggered it. So it was like every two weeks I had some kind of mastermind call and then there's, there was repetition from one call to the next yeah. call. And, you know, you're kind of just doing the same updates twice in a group and maybe you're getting good advice out of both of them. But the bottom line is a mastermind should serve you, not the other way around. I mean, you you should contribute to the mastermind. And you should be a productive member of it. But the reason for you to join a mastermind is to get good input about your business and to give you the ability to have a sounding board for other people to say, hey, I think that's a good idea based on my experience or no, that didn't work out for me and here's why. You need that feedback because otherwise you're just in the silo and you're working all the time and you're not really sure if I'm doing the right thing or could I try something different? Would this work better? All of those things, I think you can over mastermind. I wouldn't, if you're going to do multiple ones to get that feedback, I wouldn't do more than two and I wouldn't do them more frequently than every two weeks because then you don't really have enough time to work on the things that you said you were going to do in the mastermind. That was one thing like when we I think at one point I tried to have a weekly mastermind and they we basically weren't getting enough done. And then we just said this yeah. isn't working. That was dumb. I think that's too yeah. close. I think twice a month has been my ideal. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah. Um, on that same note, I, I think um, especially if you're bootstrapping as uh, you know, self-funded, e even even not it. Time is our greatest currency and we're all short of we just don't have enough hours in the day to move to make progress in our business. Um, and the more calls that you have on your calendar, the more you're going to eat into that. And usually a mastermind call, at least in my experience, has been counted as part of my work day. Like I usually yep. don't want to eat into like my family time and stuff like that. So, um, uh, so then it's like an, another hour out of my work day that I have to devote to it. So it really is a commitment. And you, you don't want to be in a situation where you're in a mastermind or someone's in a mastermind and they get too busy with their business and they can't show up to meetings and they're skipping meetings because that that is really one of the recipes for 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 the thing to fail um right. you know because you're it's going to a mastermind it's not just for you every member of, is really relying on getting the advice from everyone i mean and there were times in the past where i would show up to a mastermind and and maybe it's my turn to be on the hot seat and i was hoping to get advice from a few specific people but they weren't, they didn't show up and it's just really disappointing, you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah we had like in, in for, I believe it was my first mastermind, um, which again is the one that's still going on with different lineup, but we, we did have one guy who's super, I'm still friends with, he's, he's great, but he get, he just got, he, he was growing so fast and was so successful that he was super busy and he was managing a team of 20 people and he started 
the day of he would start, he'd be like, I can't make it, you know? And he did that a couple of times. And then I emailed him and was like, Hey man, like no hard feelings. If you're too busy, let's not do this. You know, like, let's not put you through Cause he felt bad every time. And then as you said, it, it, it really impacts negatively impacts the, um, you know, kind of the experience for everyone. There's a question from Stefan Yukena, and he says a team of two founders should be join the same mastermind group, or is the idea that everyone is in a different group by design? And Ken Wallace weighed in in the chat with exactly my, what I was going to say, which is co I think co-founders should be in different groups because I just don't think there's a ton of value. It, it's that whole thing of like, you only have limited time for two, why do two people need to be in there saying and hearing, saying the same things and hearing the same advice, right? Versus Echo chamber. Divide and I conquer, more ideas, yeah. Definitely agree with that. Um, uh, you know, because I think that it's it's divide and conquer, but there's, look, if you're in a business partnership, the partnership itself has its own issues and challenges and questions mm -hmm. that you need to work out in private in, in some case, because your mastermind group are your private trusted advisors. And, and so in a lot of cases, it's important to be able to go to people like that to talk about your partnership issues, you know, without. Right. Yeah. So. Right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't yeah. be able to do that if you were both in the same thing, you couldn't air your dirty laundry and, and get some real feedback right. on that. Yeah. Right. So Dave, I'm curious, um, you've been in several masterminds for, for many years now, like what is, what is the, what are the one or two biggest things that you get out of them? You know, why do you, why do you dedicate the time? Why should someone, this folks listening to this, who've never been in a mastermind, you know, why, why should they consider joining one? I, I, well, I've gotten a lot out. I, I can't say that there's one thing that I've gotten out or even like top two it's evolved over time at first. So I've been in mastermind since about 2011, 2012. I don't remember which microconf was the one that everybody started like forming masterminds. I think it was like the second one, but I'm, yeah, I'm a little fuzzy on that. Um, the, the birth of mastermind jam. It was the birth of <laughs> yeah. mastermind jam, whatever, whichever yeah. one, Ken Wallace would probably be able to say exactly what that is right now. But sadly, I don't remember the date. Um, whenever that was at first for me, it was accountability. Number one, just to have that regular check-in to say, I'm doing this. If I didn't get this done next time, you guys beat me up about it. And that really motivated me to get going. But after a couple of years of that, I, you know, the accountability was less important to me. And it was more about sounding boards for important ideas or things like pricing changes or tactics that I wanted to try, um, stuff like that. And I would say that is probably the more important thing, uh, you know, that has come out of it more lately. But now, you know, we've kind of evolved into a whole different, uh, I won't say it's a level because there really aren't levels to mastermind. It's just, a, it's something different that works better for myself and Brian can weigh in on this too. It's where you have a group of people and you've been getting together for a while and we do this in person, you know, multiple times a year. And with these people, you know, you, you've built personal relationships. And so there's partly it's, you know, you want to update your friends on what's going on with your business. But at the same time, you also want their honest, direct feedback on, you know, hey, that's a really dumb idea, Dave. Or, hey, you're missing this major opportunity here. Why aren't you paying attention to this, Dave? You know, they give you just absolutely brutal, raw feedback. And it's so rare to get that that I think that's the thing that I value the most now is that I know that if I 
post an update and I'm bullshitting on something. They're going to call me on it. Right. So it's raw, candid yeah. feedback. How, how about you, Brian? What's mm-hmm. the what's the one, two or three things you really have gotten out of masterminds? Um, yeah, like Dave, uh, it definitely has shifted over time. So the very early groups, I think my very first group started around 2011 or so. And it was actually uh, like a post from Andrew at Mixergy. He, he did like a one-time mastermind matching event and and i was matched into mastermind that's actually how i met uh, my podcast co-host jordan gal uh, i was in that group with him for a couple of years um, and a few other people and i think in that early group it was much more about accountability and i think that's pretty common for for early groups and that's that's a huge value add is you know because that i was self-employed i was a freelancer for like four or five years before that but i was just doing my own thing i didn't go out and meet many people i didn't go to many conferences or meetups um but it was around that time where i did finally start to meet people mastermind groups conferences and stuff and things just started to click in my business and things got more interesting and I learned a lot more over those years. Um, uh, so the accountability piece was important. And then kind of the middle area, I was in a, a couple of other different groups where it was more, it was less about accountability. Like we're all pretty motivated. don't have any issues with that. It's more about helping each other make key decisions, you know, deciding on marketing plans or who to hire for a certain role or this or that. Um, and then, as Dave said more recently, I mean, we've been doing it for years, but it has really evolved into this uh, in-person mastermind group. It, it, it's basically the, the big snow, tiny conf trips where we go skiing and snowboarding and and uh, and then also kind of mastermind up for three or four days. And I, and I go to a couple of these small, tiny conferences uh, with a lot of the same people throughout the year. Um, and that has turned into our form of a mastermind group now where... We're not really doing set weekly calls or bi-weekly calls, uh, but we do have a Slack group where we communicate, you know, um, pretty regularly now, especially even more so with with COVID. Um, but with um, but the in-person events uh, are are really great because number one, we've we've known each other for many years, so so we can show up to the event and not have to do the chit chat about what do you do? What, how, what does your business do? It's like, we, we all know where, where we're coming from. So it's more about like, what's the update that, you know, what, what happened over the past couple of quarters and what's your, what's your upcoming plans for the year. And, and we talk about that kind of stuff. And it's the other nice thing about these things is that it's, um, I always think of those trips as like, uh, it is very much a mastermind group, uh, event, but it's also fun and vacation where we're going outside, where we're doing some activity like skiing or snowboarding or hiking or something like that. And um, so it's like a relaxation. We're also traveling away from home, away from our work for a week. So so it's that, it's that break as well, but it's productive, you know, work-wise. Right. It's like a retreat. Yeah, it's a retreat. Yeah. And it sounds like masterminds mm-hmm. kind of have kind of morphed, you know, morphed into in-person stuff for you. I think the thing that, that I am taking away, like for Brian, from your comment is... Um, the it's the ongoing relationships and the shorthand whether you're meeting in person or not when you've been in a mastermind with someone for six months you don't have to get on and give them a bunch of backstory about your app before you then say i have to make this hard decision everyone has it in their head and there's very very few people if any who will have as much knowledge of your business as people in your mastermind i mean my wife as much as she enjoys talking to me about stuff she 
doesn't know as much about what I'm doing as folks who I've had accountability with for years. You know, I was never really in, it's interesting. I was never in masterminds for accountability. Um, cause I've always, I've just been self-motivated to, to do this stuff. It was for me, it was a lot of, um, sanity checks on decisions. It was a lot of, Hey, give me advice. How, what do you think I'm messing up? What do you think I can do to, you know, ideas to grow faster or whatever. And a lot of it is moral support. It's like, I'm just having a terrible month or week or whatever. Um, it maybe helped me troubleshoot it, but maybe just like, this is hard. And I need to know that there are other people who know that this is hard for me, you know? And I can't sit here every night and tell my wife how hard this is because that gets really old. But every week or every two weeks, I think is uh, it really old for her, not old for me, of course. Um, yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. My wife is always, is always telling me like, like when I'm like, oh, is it cool if I go to this Colorado trip? She's like, go. Like, Talk about yeah. your shit over there. I don't want to hear it at the dinner exactly. table. Exactly. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Sherry has told me before, like, tell it to your mastermind. You know? Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's super important because as solo founders, I, I mean, I don't know about, you know, what everybody's kind of relationships are that they have. But if you're working from home all the time and you're doing your own business it becomes socially isolating and not just in the physical sense, but in an emotional sense, because when you talk to other people who are working like a regular nine to five job and you say, yeah, I run a business online. I just watch their eyes glaze over and they're like, I have no idea how to relate to you. I mean, what are you doing? Like, you know, scamming people online. Are you one of those Nigerian people that's sending out the emails? It's like, yeah, they don't really get it. And so you need somebody who gets it and understands where you're coming from in the business. And then you kind of form natural relationships around those. So, you know, it's like you said at the, in the intro, Rob, you know, part of what this journey is about is the relationships and masterminds are a very natural way to form those relationships. You know, the other thing to keep in mind is as folks are just joining their first mastermind groups, you know, through, through microconf or, or anywhere else. Um, again, if you're new to this and you're, and you're just meeting these people for the first time, there there's going to be that getting to know you period you know um and and i i remember from those from those early years of mastermind groups for me it, it was um like the mastermind group itself gained a lot more value after four or five months of us yep. showing up to it because you, you know like you, relationship yeah yeah you, you, and and you just get more comfortable with with being open about stuff with with people you don't know so well yet so like um you, you got to give it time. You can't expect that within a yep. month you're going to, it's going to be good. So don't, don't quit so quickly, you know? Yeah. Yep. It's yep. not like you that's, become BFFs overnight. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point, Brian. I mean, there's a lot, if I'm sure some people, you know, will be on their second or third mastermind to, when they're getting matched. But if, if it is your first, uh, if it is your first time, we're going to be providing like a guide to how to get started, how to structure it, you know, a bunch of information around, um, that stuff so that, that, we know we know a lot of best practices having been not only involved in it but just you know around folks who've been masterminding for for a decade or more it's two more questions we got about three minutes so i'm going to zip through them the first is uh, from pablo he says do you sign an nda with members of your mastermind so i i will say this is not legal advice i have never signed an nda with anyone in my mastermind i suppose you could if it makes everyone feel more comfortable um Brian, Dave, have either of you signed NDAs? We, we call it a friend DA. It's just a friend non-disclosure. Let's just agree to not do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, we've had a verbal one to say, hey, you know, we're going to share personal shit here. 
And right. please don't share this with anybody else without my permission. And then everybody just nods their heads and we're good. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never signed anything, but, but we do make a point of like verbally making it totally clear. Like, so everyone's on the same page. This is private. Yep. And then, uh, Perhaps our last question for the day. We'll see how it goes. Chris McGrath says, if it's not an in-person mastermind, which is the most common, I mean, let's be honest, it's kind of, it'd be kind of a luxury to find, you know, talented, ambitious entrepreneurs in your local city who you can meet up with. Um, so most people, the vast, vast majority I know of are, are remote, you know, and done over Zoom or, or Skype or whatever. Um, he said, if it's, if it's not in person, should everyone be in roughly the same time zone? My take is yes or have flexible schedules like if i was single and and you know worked from home for myself i mean i could do a mastermind at, at 10 o'clock at night uh, so i don't know the time zone is important as much as availability right i think brian touched on it earlier that he books his mastermind calls during the workday, and i do too so that instantly means okay so there's like six to eight hours there that someone else would have to match up with it so if someone else needed to do it in the evening and they lived in europe well that'd be great because that's during my workday. but if they need to do it in the evening and they live in my same time zone that that's the problem so i think it's about around flexibility and time zones combined dave you have any other yeah. thoughts on that um yeah, I, I've done I've done it both ways. Where I actually the very first mastermind I was in for several years, we kind of made it in the evening, and that was really late. So we had like people in uh, Mountain Time Zone that was where I am, and then on the East Coast. So we, it was not a hard thing to schedule, but it did have to be like towards the end of the day for me. Um, and so you know there was an agreement between all of us of when was the best time that we could meet. So as long as everybody's okay with the availability. And that, you know, there's a good fit in terms of like the businesses and where you are in your steps and you're not too far away from each other. I think it can work. I think time zones can become an impediment. So if you have somebody who's five time zones away and, yeah. you know, the first couple of meetings they're they're making it, that is okay. But then all of a sudden they're like, oh, it's too late for me or something came up. You know, it's basically introducing some friction into the mastermind. I would say if you want to try to keep the friction to the to a minimum, stick to closer time zones at first, and then only after you like form a relationship with somebody and there's like some some bond that you're not trying to break, five time yep. zones might be okay, right? Yep. For yeah, sure. just Gentlemen. just keep in mind that that it is a commitment. So whatever time you agree to, it's got to work for you long term. Do it. Be consistent. Yeah. Thank you so much. We are at time, 30 minutes past the hour. Really appreciate you guys joining me today. If folks want to keep up with Dave, you are at Dave Rodenbaugh on Twitter. Brian at Cast Jam. Thanks again, guys, for joining me on the show. All right. Uh, so coming up next week is uh, same time, same place. Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, microconfonair.com. I'm going to be talking with April Dunford about positioning. And I believe we're even going to talk about um, how positioning is different during a global pandemic. So it's going to be a, a new, even if you've heard April speak or you've read her book in the past, I want to dig into some new material. So thanks so much. YouTube.com slash microconf. If you want to subscribe, we have a lot of really good videos there. So thanks for joining me. See you next time.